This episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by Ripley's, believe it or not, museum in Hollywood, California. If you want to have something to do when you're in Hollywood that doesn't include being outside in the heat, head in to the auditorium at the corner of Hollywood and Highland. I had to think about that for a second, but that's exactly where it is. If you want to buy one, get one free, you can do so by going up to the counter and telling them you heard about this on Star Trek The Next Conversation. But what you actually have to tell them is that Dr. Pulaski is your favorite character. Now we all know no one really enjoys Dr. Pulaski, but that's the fun of it. How can you buy one and get one free if Dr. Pulaski isn't your favorite? Bo, what do you think about that? My dog agrees. All right, everybody, here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey, everybody, if you're listening to this, chances are you are not currently mediating a dispute in the Solaris system. So thanks for not being busy. Welcome to Star Trek Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Uh, we're here. We are uh, four into uh, season two, five into season two. Oh. Feels like we're 350 into season two. That's how slow it is. It's been pretty rough. It's been a rough beginning, and it's strange that this is these. We're in the beard years. We're in the beard years. The beard's here, but the beard does not always mean quality. Apparently not. Really, for me, I've always said this. And I'll say it again. Okay. It's the uniform change. It's the uniform change, right? Yeah, that's what really does it. That's what really kicks this show into high warp. This was a this was a really rough <laughs> rough episode. I mean, it wasn't as bad. I feel as like we've had uh, outrageous O'Connor. Okana. Yes, true. Um, but I feel like we've had already more duds in season two than season one. I mean, I guess it's the writer's strike, but I kind of feel like Hurley was, he was a bad seed is my theory. Seemed like it from that documentary. He certainly seemed very unpleasant. Really wished he was writing uh, Miami Vice at this time, but he was not. He was on Star Trek, The Next Generation. They didn't know that the, the bird was a cuckoo bird, the bird of the, the galaxy. What they didn't know was that you can't be at warp speed and have conflict with someone not at warp speed. <laughs> I agree with him about the conflict. Although it seems like he was on both sides. Never mind. Let's go back to chaos on the bridge. Two sides of the same. Matt. annoying old coin. Yes, sir. This weekend, yeah. I don't know if you'd like this to not be public knowledge, but this weekend was uh, Matt Myra's... That's true. Special day. It was, it was his my, birthday. It was my day of the remembrance of my birth. 
And uh, we spent the afternoon together. Sure did. Even though we didn't have a podcast to record. No, it's a rare treat. Although I will say, after we finished our tumultuous sandwiches, yes, uh, I did wish that we had just recorded a podcast anyway. We definitely would have felt better. We would have certainly had... I think uh, we were both... It we was, had the time. It was the ultimate in codependence where I basically was calling him hoping he would say... Hey, let's go eat something terrible. Oh, and did and I? And he I was ever. hoping I would call him and say the same thing. I and, was on uh, board. Thankfully, it wasn't Norm's, but it was probably more damaging <laughs> because we went to Fat Sal's and I ordered two shakes past what Myra ordered. We split two giant sandwiches. With we split three giant sandwiches. Three giant sandwiches, you're right. <laughs> with fries on them and, yeah, and Fat mozzarella Sal's sticks. Yeah, there's a chain out here in California. I think there's one in Texas. It's run by Turtle, right? Uh, Turtle from Entourage is one of the guys. You got to come down to my store. The, the slogan is, uh, we're making sandwiches here. That seems right. Um, and I, it's one of my guilty Los Angeles pleasures. I really enjoy a fat salad sandwich when I'm on a cheat day. Listen, guy who plays Turtle, if you'd like to be hosted by probably the cultural opposite of your, of your fan base. <laughs> Point is, I really enjoy your sandwiches. Sometimes I get a steak and cheese just uh, on its own. Do you really? How yeah. is it? It is it, delivers. Ex- it is exactly what I want All out right, of a steak and cheese. I want the, their bread's delicious. I can tell you we certainly, we did damage to ourselves in a way that left us like yeah, so a we, smoking bridge. We split three sandwiches and Andy had two shakes. Well, like marshmallows, toasted marshmallows, and then the other one was chocolate banana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had a Diet Coke. Yeah. I have, I have a problem. I can speak for myself. Sure. Uh, um, anyway, my point is, yes. Um, and then in addition to that, today we're also ending another uh, work day, not as long. And uh, Matt and I, uh, Matt and I, kind of went at each other today, a little bit, Did just I, just a share. Yeah, but I also didn't find it. You were prodding me more than going at. Yeah, me. and it was he was not, provoking uh, me in a bratty way. It was, and not, I was under a lot of pressure. Nothing and so. more than amusing to me. And yeah, uh, I think in the end it was only amusing to me. In retrospect. But at the moment, you know, things can get frustrating. Whatever the case, my point is, it was your special day, and secretly, what I knew, even as I was enraged at you, Uh was that I had some gifts to bestow on you. Oh, what is this? For your special... For your special day. You got, you got Andy, you went to the gift town? I went to gift town and I said, what would a Matt Myra want? Andy, but I have to say, before yes. you before you gift me, okay. Uh, I think what I enjoy most about our relationship is that we can poke each other at work uh-huh. and uh, not think anything of it afterwards. Well, we have, we have a very brotherly relationship yeah. in that way. And I don't, uh, I wouldn't poke anybody else there. No, I know. But that, of course, is what partly is just like, give me the respect you give all these other schmoes. Well, at the end of the day, you're running the room and I yield to you. But uh, you're just, its the, I just think it's the fact that I know where your buttons are that makes it so enjoyable. Boy, do you find my buttons. And um, the rest of the room, I don't know if they leave going like, oh, my God, no, I they, think they hate each other. I think they really think there's a major problem. 
Whereas <laughs> you and I, I don't know. Did you come from a family of shouters? I definitely did. Oh, of course. Okay, so yeah, there course. you go. Oh, the Cubans, half Cubans. Yeah, you're, yeah. you know. Whereas I'm, from, half, I'm half, from New York Jews. So. It's Italian and Portuguese. So there you it's go. It's just a fiery bunch. It's just a mixture of, yeah. So to us, it's just like, hey, it's like family. Hey. Like terrible family. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap up our day and then we're like, so you wanted to go straight to your house? <laughs> it was as though nothing had happened. So if you hear us really going at each other on the podcast, then as long as there's another podcast the week after, everything was fine. Everything was just fine, and I wasn't murdered by Andy. <laughs> and, which was a theory, was what was going to happen yes. after. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. Oh. Let me see which one's which. Okay. okay. We're going to start with this. We have, we have, uh, it's a nice little card. Oh, it says Captain Myra. Uh-huh. Open it Do you want me to here. hold the thing for you? No, I will. Uh, no, I, I, can, I, I think I get this. Okay. It's a, it's a very loudly. It's a, uh, it's a card, and there's a beautiful color pencil drawing, maybe a watercolor even, of uh, Commander William T. Riker, and it says, "You're my number one," and then it says, "Happy birthday, Imzadi XO Secundus." <laughs> that is a um, that is a terrific birthday card. Thank you. And then here's one that's uh, it's a little off theme, but I saw it and I wanted to get it for you anyway. Oh, you want a card shopping spree? <laughs> oh, it's Quint. It's Quint with a birthday. Quint from Jaws, the uh, my, my my favorite movie of His all favorite time. Movie. Uh, I'm not talking about pleasure boat or day sailing. I'm talking about partying all day. I'm talking about your birthday. Ah, uh, that's from what he says about uh, sharking. Talking about sharking. That's right, sharking. We're going to need a bigger sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Happy you guys birthday, get it. buddy. XO Andy. This, what? These are two of the best cards I've ever received. Okay. I had, I had to choose which order I was giving the gifts in. We'll see. This is, this is quite a... Quite a situation here. I'm opening presents. I did not anticipate getting presents. We'll see if this plays well on the podcast. Oh, shit. It's Cisco holding a baseball. <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased it's that you beautiful. don't have that. <laughs> That's going in my office. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, lovely work by Heather Buchanan. Uh, Heather Buchanan, you crushed it. She also did the card and sent it, and she said she listened to it, and uh, she she had not known about our podcast, and then she was oh I'm, I'm really geeking out now. This, this is really amazing, it. isn't it great? This uh, well, the baseball. This is Cisco. like you know Cisco known for his love of baseball, sure, as well as being the only captain you'd want to bring you into battle. So well, it's by Matt Myra. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who would you rather have? I think I might want Kirk. Really. Well, I haven't seen Cisco. You have to remember. Oh, I don't really know Cisco other than the pilot, and he was definitely not a guy I'd want in a, in a battle. In, in Cisco, that pilot. bar none. I don't right. have him lead the fleet against anybody. I would love to. I mean, that is the thing I think that was always promised to me, which baffled me that God. that it could be was that it was very it got very actiony. Oh God, when he gets pissy and he's like, "There's this." Guy. Never mind. It's so much. It's so much great stuff happening I on these bases. Forward to it. Here's another. Oh. This, uh, the Andy, writing on it is. Andy's done some impressive wrapping. I didn't know that, you were that one came wrapped. I oh. didn't. I can't take responsibility for that. That is a, that is a beautiful craftsmanship. Although my other wrapping was, I stand by. Here. Oh, we have Crusher from the Dixon Hill holodeck episode, <laughs> which we debated. This is amazing <laughs> was whether the uh, these, the... by the way, were individually numbered. I don't know if you knew that. Well, I did it on the foot. And let me see which number I had. Mm. Oh man, my glasses are somewhere else. 
this is number. This will blow your mind how many of these action figures they made. This is number 38,035. <laughs> it's probably why it was this easily, is easily acquired. Oh my God, it was the Holodeck series. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, how specific did they get? I was just so delighted. Holodeck series. I was delighted that it was Crusher, and I was delighted because... The scene of the episode, The Big Goodbye. Because if you remember, we had a a very lengthy uh, debate about whether the the guy comes over and has mistaken her for a prostitute in this outfit. (laughs) Also, she has... It comes with a compact, a purse, and a pistol. Oh, that's great. What else is available? Let's take a look and see what else is available in the holodeck line. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Uh, We have... Okay, this is not... This is seeming to be... Okay, Deanna Troy uh, as Durango from the episode A Fistful of Datas, which is much later. Mm. Um, Nice Western-themed one. And that seems to be the only other one actually from the holodeck. Then you have Jordy LaForge uh, from All Good Things. You have Cat Picard as Galen. Oh, Sheriff Worf from A Fistful of Data is also. So this was post last episode. Yeah, sure was. Mm. You get it in this, for some reason in this series, you have doc- Dr. Catherine Pulaski. <laughs> is she just in a regular outfit? She's just chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Traveler. Have we, had, have we experienced The Traveler yet? Yeah, he was in one of the early episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, with, with the, all the warp bullshits. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now the super uh, close shots of his face right next to Wesley's. Yeah. Interstellar Action Borg. Captain Picard from Tapestry, one of the great episodes. Mm. Interstellar Action Joy de la Forge. I can't imagine what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you choose that character and for the interstellar Dr. action? Dr. Beverly Crusher in duty uniform, which, however, I will say in this picture on the back of this, it is the Deep Space Nine era duty uniform, a uniform which I don't believe I ever saw her wear. I, I want to ask a question, but yes, I'm, go no, ahead. I'm concerned that it's a spoiler. Please. So I'm not no, ask. you can ask it. No, and if I it's a spoiler, I won't tell you. Is Beverly in Deep Space Nine at no. any point? No, but they do. There is um. So it's just a weird thing that they put her in a Deep Space Nine era. Yeah, it's that is a weird. Do I don't remember her ever wearing that. It, it would have been in genera- Star Trek Generations that she wore in that uniform. But there is a crossover episode um, where the Enterprise goes to Deep Space Nine, huh. and some of the characters are. Right. Well, let's not get into it. But that's I believe that, she's, I gotta say that sounds the, awesome. She's in the. De- she's in the. She's definitely in that. She's in that episode. I was going to say she's in the pilot, but she's not. Just Picard is in the Deep Space Nine pilot. Oh, my the God. There's last more? One, Why I, is there more? The last oh, one is the one that I'm the proudest of. Very heavy. And was also the biggest pain in the ass. What have we here? Okay, so we have a, we have a fine wooden box. It looks to be... I guess we should have done an unboxing... Looks to be a Redwood situation here. Let's see what's inside. Is this Chateau Picard? (laughs) (laughs) This is a vintage of Chateau Picard from 2267. So it probably gets better with negative age. And that one is amazing. Uh, is um, is is handmade by Andrew Secunda. I didn't do the labels. I I actually it was a result of my because I was at work and I was just like, oh cool, he'll love this. It's the nemi- It's from the Nemesis uh, props. And I, I didn't order the the prop because that's yeah, like sure. seven thousand dollars. Yeah, crazy I understand thing. that. Yeah, but uh, I thought it was like, oh, it's a replica, and I ordered it, and it was just the labels. That's okay. 
So they, but then I was like, so then I have to put it on a thing. And then what I stupidly did was, uh, because I researched what it would be, and they said, oh, the real one that it would be actually wouldn't be that good. But then I looked up that there is actually a Chateau Picard unrelated to this Picard. What? wine and they said that one is really good and so i bought that and then realized oh man now i gotta soak the label off of it so i just soaked the label it turned into this massive process this is quite an effort that andy went to and it's beautiful yeah i'm very proud of my it's it's the most crafty geeky i've been in a long time when data dies we shall share this wonderful (laughs) what nemesis I didn't see Nemesis. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I really wonder if you should cut that for the people who don't know it. Uh, God, you know, I love to, but like the movie came out in 2003. All right. Maybe maybe pop in a spoiler. If thing you haven't, the, the Nemesis spoiler. Or, or put a 14 minute mark. Yeah. Or All maybe right. we can write it on the thing. Anyhow. Well, thank you, Andy. This is very generous of you. Happy birthday, Andy. Oh, very thoughtful. And this is very, I'm really mostly excited about the Cisco thing going up at the work. Oh, yeah. And uh, that'll hang on my cork board at work. It's going to be real weird in there. That's, uh, screw them. <laughs> no, I just mean generally. All right, we're in the show proper, guys. Finally. Buckle up. He was really irritated. Sorry, Matt took so long opening his presents, but it was his <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I found you to be very pleasant on your birthday. I have a real problem on my birthday. Although, for the record, I also love presents as well as being good at giving them. Uh, your birthday was such a secret that I didn't know until I get very dark on after. my birthday. Really, uh, because what I want is... Just like a lot of people putting lots of thought into specific presents for me. Well, you know, I'm you, such a greed. Guess what? You have you have you have many more birthdays ahead of you, my friend. I hope so. And now that I've narrowed it down to sometime in May, other people have birthdays. Jim, why are we treating yours like a funeral? Did he say goddamn funeral? I didn't say goddamn. Doesn't he though? I, I, he does not. I'm going to say flat out, he does not. All right, I, I believe you. Okay, I believe you. Um. Oh, maybe he does. Now I'm not sure. Treating yours uh, like a goddamn funeral. No, I don't think he does. McCoy birthday, Jim. I'll be surprised if he does. Uh, here we go. Let's hear it, shall we? Mm-hmm. Beware Romulans bearing gifts. Romulan? You know this is illegal. Happy birthday, Jim. Romulan ale? Why, Bones, you know this is illegal. I only use it for medicinal purposes. I got aboard a ship that brings me in a case every now and then across a neutral zone. Now, don't be a prey. 2283. Yeah, well, it takes this stuff a while to ferment. Mm. Here, give me. Now, you open this one. I'm almost afraid to. What is it? Klingon aphrodisiacs? No. This is a good bit. This is... Charming. For most patients your age, I usually recommend Retinax 5. I'm allergic to Retinax. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. That's a funny take. (laughs) This movie is funny. It's well written. I don't know what to say. 
Well, you could say thank you. Thank you. Damn it, Jim, what the hell's the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured. It's the damn it, Jim, on the top. Yeah. That confused in my brain. Glad we solved that problem. Andy, do we have any admirals this week? We sure do, pal. Great. First one is... Remember, if you want to be an admiral, write a five-star review on iTunes. (laughs) And you could be sleekered for Admirals Club. Um, Lotes or Leets? Says, awesome. Thanks for reigniting my passion for TNG. Can't wait for you guys to get to my favorite episodes. My little nephew recently found my old toy box box filled with Star Trek figurines and ships he has claimed as his own. Hmm. My family family thinks it's adorable, but if he ruins my defiant Romulan warbird, my sister will have one less child. P.S. Andy, your episode on James Bonding is by far my favorite. Well, there you go, Andy. That's high praise. Uh, Matt and Andy uh, make the two first boring seasons fun from Soul Center 14. Welcome to the Admirals Club. Andy complaining about his phantom sound problems, even though they are 99.999% fine, gives me joy. <laughs> Seal, set shields to burlap. Did I read this one last week? By acting ensign. You, you couldn't have because our setting shields to silk occurred on last week's episode. There you go. And acting ensign Calawon. Love you guys. Love the show. Live long and listen by DDDH. Bringing back memories for me. P.S. Matt, I talk about you so much because of all your podcasts that my wife thinks we know each other. Well, we do. 10 out of 10 Andes by Kiriru. I love hearing Andy listen to these episodes for the first time. I watch the series after hearing Matt and Andy's review and laugh when I hear the clips they've referenced. I first heard Matt on The Nerdist, and I'll admit, he was my least favorite co-host. However, Have you? Really? Is that a big thing? Oh, well, it happens. It happens. Well, you know, you can't be everybody's favorite. Wait, but finish the sentence. It sounded like it was getting good for me. And that's it. Oh, no. (laughs) However, after listening to podcasts led by Matt, I love him now. The combination of Matt and Andy makes for great listening. I laugh every podcast at their witty banter. Thanks for the podcast by Troy Grzich. I uh, was such a big fan of the show back in the day and that I even named one of my sons Riker. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. If you listen to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, my wife and I get to an argument about wanting to name a son Riker. I gotta say, Riker Myra's a great name. I agree. More fortifying the glass of prune juice. What is this a reference to? Oh, it's a. It will become. You'll see later in the series. Worf's favorite drink is actually prune juice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you seriously love Star Trek, but not too seriously? Then you'll feel right at home with Mm -hmm. Matt and Andy. And that, my friend, uh, is the it. end of the Cadmals Club. And that was the Cadmals Club. All right. Um, whoa. Close. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. All right. Uh, we're in the hails, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the first one um, is from Ryan O, who sent us a couple sound clips, which I uh, actually have sent you, but uh, you can peruse them at your leisure. And listening to season two of the podcast, I've noticed a few recurring themes to help shorten the, quote, bits I've created, a parody of two regularly used songs. Thanks. You know what I wanted to say before we get into that? Okay. Uh, Here's here's a fun fact, guys. Uh, I'm up for a very special gig, which would be co-hosting 
the Star Trek Discovery after show that would air on CBS the first night and then bump over to CBS All Access. Um, and my agents were like, you're very close, but, you know, it might be nice if you had some social media support. Right. So, by the way, that was one of the things that I mentioned several episodes back, um, saying, oh, there may be some exciting news. And then it, <laughs> then it became a muddy situation. Yes, it's still muddy, but I think you guys uh, can help. I think we all know who deserves to to be hosting that podcast, and it is my co-host. Yes. So, please. Um, if you could do me a favor and tweet about it, the person really you should be tweeting at is is the amazing, uh, super talented uh, Michael Davies, who happens to be the head of Embassy Row, but also happens to do an amazing podcast about soccer called Men in Blazers, which I have listened to long before I knew that he also was in television and would one day be involved with the after show that I've lived my whole life trying to host. Uh, <laughs> he sure but, has. Uh, if you Actually, if you want to hear the polar opposite of a of this podcast, listen to Men in Blazers. It's the smoothest thing I've ever heard in my life. It is a, such a smooth, beautiful podcast. Amazing. But anyway... Uh, Michael Davies is a lovely man. If you could tweet at him, his Twitter handle is at Embassy Davies, D-A-V-I-E-S, and perhaps just let him know that you think Matt Myra should host the Star Trek Discovery After Show or be on the Star Trek Discovery After Show. I was, you know, I was going to try to think of a hashtag, but I couldn't. I will also say, oh yeah, let's come up with a hashtag. All right. Myra... It's so? No, I don't love that. No. My manager had said, how about Live Long and Myra? Which doesn't mean anything. Which means nothing, but it so far has rolled off the tongue the easiest. Make Myra so? Mm, again, I think you're see, you're pulling from the next gen era when we're going pre-TOS I feel here. like this is a... You're 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 uh, you're you're becoming OCD on it, and I just I'm fine with it. Just don't hurt your own case by making it too obscure. Um, okay, let's think. I think honestly, we're living. We're, just leave I'm it up leaning, to them. I'm leaning towards live long and Myra. Over make Myra so. <laughs> Myra for Trek was the other one I had. I had. I had. Myra for Trek around in my head. Huh. Myra trying to think or you know we could just let people decide and then we'll well that needs to be a cohesive oh everybody has to have the same yeah thing. it needs to be a cohesive hashtag guys oh, we should have discussed this before my my rash tag <laughs> <laughs> they won't even know what that means <laughs> no one does uh live long and myra right i i disagree i think make myra so is make do you think this guy won't know what make make it so is from I don't know. He's busy producing television shows. Live Long and Myra? Live Long and Myra. Right. Live Long and Myra? Guys, are we settling on Live Long and Myra? It's your campaign. The only thing I can tell you is that uh, just, to, just to, to give you some perspective on it, Matt Myra is someone who has never spoken up for himself he's bad at advocating for himself <laughs> i have i was pushing him to do all sorts of things like when he was in contention i was like you gotta lock this down you gotta make sure it happens this is the greatest thing this is your entire life is culminating yes. towards this thing 
Um, and he was so resistant. He, I like when when he was in contention. I'm like, you're gonna get this, and he was like, no, nah, they're gonna get some some handsome guy, or they're gonna get some they still some could. famous guy. TBD, or, it's TBD. I get I'm like, it. handsome I'm and famous you, cells. They would be idiots to get anyone. There is no person who is more proficient as a host and as a Star Trek expert. <laughs> That's like there very are people who are maybe have stuff in either category, but there's no one who has the combination of skills. Yeah. So I guess I'm just. Saying, support you. this guy who rarely supports himself for his own dream. He really so yeah. So tweet at Embassy Davies D A V I E S, uh, and I'm not going to spell Embassy because, quite frankly, you listen to a Star Trek podcast, you know how to spell. Yeah, so I guess it's live long and hour. Just let him know I'd be a great host for a Star Trek Discovery after show, which you know Hardwick's busy uh, doing the Embassy Row shows that are uh, talking Saul, talking Dead, talking Preacher talking with chris hardwick and he's so busy with that there's finally an opening and it's for the thing that you were the true expert and it's for star trek and um by the way hardwick also supports matt for this already has been vocal on on the internets and uh, i've been very appreciative of it so yeah it's not you know it's not a huge i don't need don't annoy the man just let him know you think i'd be good yeah be friendly be a friendly be a be a friendly urger. Be a, a, a Federation flagship in the Twitterverse and try to bring peace. <laughs> All right. All right. Now that that's done, back to the emails. I feel like the emails seem less, you know, they seem almost like an afterthought now. But um, nonetheless, um, here we go. Uh, so in listening to season two, it helped shorten the bits. I've created a parody of two regularly used songs. Thank the mighty Q for falsettos to help tighten things and give it a little zing. Um, please make sure Matt has a copy just in case and he does it again. And I will say that we were paid to not play a version. Yep, even though a young lady out there loved it. But uh, but uh, I will say it doesn't really. It's it's okay because the request was to not play Britney, and this is not Britney. This is a facsimile. Here we go. I have something crazy to tell you also. That was you? <laughs> no. That was I thought because it, it was it was Andy did it again. <laughs> this was the uh, this was the one I thought it was. There's another one that someone sent us that I haven't played yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but uh, but in the meantime, um, this is crazy talk. Let me play you uh, the other thing that was uh, the and I wonder if this is the second time because <laughs> there was another there was another song that was also on this. But let's see. Um, I'm going to play the other song that they're parodying. It's a fun episode, baby. Production value of another one. It's a fun episode, baby. Come and come and watch it with us now. Jesus Christ. This is crazy, What hath we created? Because I thought it was these, and now I'm realizing there's there's a whole other... (laughs) 
<laughs> there's a whole other there's a, there's a rival versions. parody game. Yeah. And I got to say, the other ones were, uh, the, the, as, as much as those really had spirit, uh, the others were uh-huh. much better produced. Hey, we just got money. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, here. Oh, this is perfect. So this, this sir, uh, you just made it into the, um, what is it? The president? Presidential. It's the it's the United, uh, United Federation. Federation of Planets President Circle. This is perfect because this is so perfect. This came in at this moment. Kevin Lamb just sent us $20.17. Uh, and he says, this amount will be sent every week as long as you play. Oops, I did it again every time Andy messes up. We said you could outbid. The gentleman said, don't play anymore, Brittany. It's the amount for the year the podcast was commissioned. Love the podcast. Wish I could afford to be an actual sponsor. But thanks so much, Kevin. I mean. Um, now let me see if I can so find he the other wants thing. it to happen. He sure does. And he has outbid the person who didn't want it to happen. He sure did. That means I have to get a couple of sound cues ready, everybody. I know. Well, I already sent you one, but that's kind of the inferior one. And this, I think, is going to be the superior one. And I'm going to play it now. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Now that one is crazily. That's like that's got a very good Britney vocal impression. Yeah, um, which he was said that was from Joshua Real. Uh, oh, Real. Yes, I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, he said I made the music bed and had our singer Shyla do her best Britney impression. Shyla, you, you it. nailed it. Really nice work. Um, let me see if there's another bottle one. Oh my god. It's really an involved process. Tastes like. What? Oops, is that me or is that, that was you? me? <laughs> Better play it. Uh, we lost it. <laughs> <laughs> we are the worst podcast in the history of podcasting. Let me see. The bottle one. Here it is. I uh, made this for you. Season two, Rider Strike really had a number of can't leave the ship shows. Christina Aguilera segment inspired me. Enjoy from Bernie Gerstmeyer. Hey, Matt and Andy. Oh. Uh, I wrote a little song for you. You can clip it and use it however you want. Sounds like we're using it raw. talking about how there are some stories that need to save money so they stay on the ship. So it's story in a bottle. So hope you like it. Got a story in a bottle, baby. Oh, oh, here we go. If you want to save some cash, make your yearly budget last. Write a story in a bottle. Don't use that transporter. When your writers go on strike, you can't go where you would like. You write a story in a bottle and say make it so. You can't leave the ship. You got a story in a bottle. Love that, the podcast, guys. Thank that you. That is beautiful as well. We got a lot of great, too great much good stuff creative, happening here. Creative fans. That's the beauty of impressive. Star fans. Um, so I guess I'll just send you both of those. Although I don't know that you'll need 
the bottle one for a while. Or maybe we maybe will. We might. We might. We might grab it. Oh, I'm having trouble here. All right, I'm just going to move on. Figure this out. Is that you That's you? me. You messed up. Did I send it to you? No, this is the OG. That was the OG. No, you're not allowed to. Well, I guess it doesn't make a difference now. We've been in. Um, I'm sending you the Josh Real version. There you go. Uh, now you can torture me all you want. All right, back to the hails. Um, the hails bother you. You can look on our uh, on the episode description, and Matt will jot down. I try to. I try to, but uh, I forget a lot. But last week I had it on there, so that's good. He gets distracted sometimes. I do three other podcasts, everybody. So don't hold it's hard. too much account. It's hard to all keep it all together. Okay, we're into the outrageous Okana, and uh, we did miss a big piece of information um, that our friend Paul Suda, I haven't listened to this. Uh, oh, boy. I believe that he is about to say the thing. That you know I, how we vet things on this show? Not well. Here we go. Hello, Matt and Andy. This is Paul Suda coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Um, actually, uh, calling in about the Okana episode you're about to do today. Um, we did fun not fact, Billy Campbell, the uh, the guest star in Okana, uh, was the runner-up for Commander Riker. He was in the running to be Commander Riker on Next Generation, and the part ended up going to Frakes. Um, but uh, imagine what Star Trek would have been like if Billy Campbell, if the Rocketeer, <laughs> was Commander Riker. Mm-hmm. Um I can imagine some things would be the same, given how he performs with Terry Hatcher in this episode. How do you think the show would be different if Billy Campbell were Commander Riker? Food for thought. Thanks so much, guys, for all the laughs. Bye. It's a good question. It really is a good question, and I think he would... I, I, I think it would be very jarring. I think that, that uh, Frakes is just the right amount of handsome. To well, not be distracting. It's and, always weird, too, to put someone else in a role that is so iconic and at this point is just so sure. Jonathan Frakes. Like, a lot of these Star Trek things, that was what was such a tall task about the J.J. Abrams-verse. You have these iconic characters that are such William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly that when you throw someone else into them, it takes you a little bit to adjust. And, and, and you know, I think of Captain Kirk in my head, I don't think ever of anybody but William Shatner still. Uh, Who else would you think of? Chris Pine. Oh, Chris Pine, sure. (laughs) Sorry. I completely removed that. You know how he played played Captain Kirk in uh, only uh, three less movies than William Shatner? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who I met. And uh, literally every time I'm in a room with... uh, By the way, I have such face blindness. We have a friend in common that I met Chris Pine... And I did not recognize him. <laughs> That's the level of my face blindness. And the only thing I thought to myself as I was like looking up at him was like, this guy is so handsome. Well, he <laughs> Who is this is. handsome guy? I'm like, oh, it's Chris Pine. <laughs> certainly is handsome. <laughs> All right. Here's a, uh, here's a voicemail from the UK. Hello, this is Ian calling you from the UK. Uh, just a few things, lads. First of all, I started to pick up someone from last week's show, but... Uh, I used to have an audio book of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, 
Bond. Here is what it's called, and it was read by René Ubergeonois. That's how he pronounces it. So uh, I'm going to have to correct you correctly last week, because uh, that's how René does it. So correction from right. the corrector. Uh, no. Also, on your list of people from the Cheers slash Fraser of Earth, who've appeared in Star Trek as well, when you're talking about Brent Spiney, you did miss out the fact that he was also in an episode of Fraser, and that was when uh, Lilith came back wanting to have a child with Fraser. So that both had children had the same dad, I believe. They meet on the plane. Uh, so, yeah, so there's another little uh, link there. Uh, but basically, really loving the show. You should really have uh, Larry Lemoncheck on as a guest because uh, he's actually fantastic going to use live podcast, Galapagos Times podcast. Uh, but thanks and keep up the great work, man. Larry would be a good person to have on because we read from his book every week. Oh, see, you could understand what he was saying. He left another. I understood every word of it. I mean, no, I I understood everything up until the end, but he left another voicemail that I I couldn't even. And I think it's mostly the the uh, the connection more than it is the the accent. But um, yeah, Brent Spiner. You know, if you follow the Fraser verse, it does seem like eventually Brent Spiner and Lilith went off and got married. Really? Yeah, oh, they wow, on a plane a and she's very vulnerable and I think they had some... Is there any reference to Data or nothing? No. Wow. Okay, hey Matt and Andy, regarding Data's confusion over Troy's use of Rogue, um, because I think uh, I, I had commented on how it kind of frustrates a me. A Rogue. Uh, that he always... Everyone's go, like yelling out, out the dictionary thesaurus. definitions. Yeah. As you pointed out, just... Um, that that the you know, kind of stuff uh, just so it doesn't matter. As you pointed out, data uh, surely has access to multiple dictionaries and clearly thesauruses, uh, but not to correct contextual usage of every possible meaning of every word, as that word uh, requires far more complex information. Due to the vast number of unusual or archaic word usages in English, not to mention slang, I would assume anytime data encounters a word used in a way he has never encountered before, he has to quickly run a contextual analysis, probably involving thousands of source works, hence the accessing, drove me insane, to discover uh, which meaning it's, is situa- situationally appropriate. While I'm sure Data has heard the word rogue before Troy uses it, he very well might only be familiar with the astronomical or scientific usages mm-hmm. at the time of the episode. I would assume that after this lookup, he remembers this usage and is able to retrieve it much more quickly in the future, which probably comes in handy when he hangs out with Barkley. <laughs> I don't understand. Reginald Barkley. But why is why does Barkley, what does he use, weird words? Uh, Barkley Broccoli. It's oh. a, you'll get there. Okay. Matt, I think you should do a James Bonding TNC crossover and make Andy watch Moonraker if he hasn't seen it. Make Andy watch Moonraker. That's not a terrible idea. Mr. Gourley did invite me. I, I could tell on the text that you were like, oh, don't. Oh, no. I'm I was with him when he would. Oh, was I with you? You were with him recording when uh, I sent something to both of you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Should it be Moonraker or... Spider uh, Love Me was the first one I ever saw. Listen, we are going through every single movie, and so far the only one that's gone is uh, Goldeneye. I wouldn't so. mind watching Moonraker again. Anyway, that, that one was from Mitch Kidder. You say that now, but then you'll watch Moonraker again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember enjoying it as a child. Um, Sir Cliff Richard. Oh, this is from my friend Dinah Moe. Who, who wrote about Cliff Richard during yes, our Cliff Richard podcast. question ask. Uh, and it was a very long, dense email, and so I cut it down. But uh, all the information kind of was interesting. Sir Cliff Richard was only like Elvis in so much as his managers merchandised the hell out of him. Lots of toothless pop hits in the 60s, pretty early Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also a string of 
awful teen movies. He even appeared on Thunderbirds as a marionette with his backing backing band, The Shadows. <laughs> That's amazing. Who went from pretty good surf rock band to 80s embarrassment. Um, and here I'll play a little clip that she sent me. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we present the biggest star in the universe. I wish you guys could see this. Definitely look it up. His, the stiffness is hilarious. <laughs> stiffly walking around. Anyway, um, she also said Cliff Richard went from white bread, soulless teen idol to weirdly unaging, waxy adult contemporary singer. He never really disappeared, but changed fashions as the years passed, always looking like a goober. Got some huge, huge ass tinted glasses and perms. The whole notion of Rick on uh, The Young Ones being a closet Cliff Richard fan while being an anarchist socialist people's poet is as like the leader of the Berkeley anti-fash rioters having a Michael Bublé shrine. <laughs> um, thank you, Dinah. Christopher Colbert wrote me, wrote to us, uh, guys, I hear you like short emails. That was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. <laughs> That's great. Uh, this week brought up an Andy's theory that uh, something must have happened in the 23rd century that caused humans to not be funny anymore. And I can say um, that uh, I thought this was interesting. According to Garrett Wang, Harry Kim from Voyager, on an old Geeks On podcast that in Star Trek, any character who played a human was instructed to mute their emotional acting styles and be less funny and less expressive by executive producer Rick Berman. Have you heard that? No, I've not heard that. So, yes, there is a virus, and its name is Rick Berman. Ha! Andrew Cole. Um... Well, I have a couple more. Do you want me to? We are 45 minutes into the show. Well, we did your birthday presentation. What do you want? You, they can drop in anytime they want. They can go right to the beginning. Come on, Matt. I have to do another one after this. Okay. Look, this is what someone said this week. We should uh, put some of our stuff behind the paywall, I think, in a sarcastic jab. Um, oh, totally. And I was saying, just, just to throw this out there, what if we put... A whole email episode I'd behind the paywall. I'd have to do paywall. another episode, and it's not happening. No, we recorded it the same amount of time. You just break it up. No. No, that's just like, come on. All right. Come on, Andy. Anyway, hi, Matt and Andy. In this last episode, Andy asked what fan reaction to Troy was. I was in my pre and early teens when I was watching the show. What you say, Andy, was essentially it. She was presented as a member of the crew, so I didn't question her being there. Uh, but more than that, she was the only chance for me, myself, a girl... To see myself a girl on the Enterprise. Boys had their pick of characters. Girls had to take what we could get. Uh, by season two, Crusher was gone, Tasha, etc. Um, Pulaski was the worst, so Troy was it. Um, even if she's not being particularly useful, she's a woman in the sense, uh, in the scene, in the scene that is largely respected by the male crew members around her. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what other female fans thought about her. Annika, which was the name of Seven of Nine. Thank you, Um, And, uh... All right. Uh, Oh, the crossover character in the Outrageous Okana and Frasier is Clint Weber, the KACL host of the show Health Chat. Do you remember this? It was only in season five, episode 17, was portrayed as the perfect man, which was driving Frasier crazy until he finds out he can't sing. Oh, that's right. Valer. That's right. Um, uh, Gareth King uh, writes us that uh, that uh, the, the funny stuff was offensive, but he said the biggest offense is that Data refers to a fish as an amphibian, which I did not catch. 
Oh, I didn't either. Melissa E. tweeted at us, I need to start, I need Matt to start saying accessing when he's trying to remember which episode of Frasier or Cheers the actors are accessing. in. Accessing. <laughs> accessing. And Dan Stern tagged on, I insist that Andy start calling himself the sensational Secunda and punctuate all comments with a, that's funny, <laughs> which is something that, that O'Connor kept saying. Sure did. Um, and lastly, Viviana Solorzano uh, wrote us, love the podcast. Uh, the phone number jingle is from a while ago. Um, uh, attempting to harmonize was excruciating. I recorded this in my car uh, after hearing you uh, play another guy's voice. Let me find it. Here it is. Hi, honey. We've been recording for 46 minutes. We haven't gotten to the episode yet. Hi, Dory. Huh? Yeah, a lot of chit chat. I top. was giving at, I was giving Matt his his birthday presents. There was a whole celebration. There was a lot of stuff going on. Well, I, you know, I've got uh, I've got Beverly Crusher, the Holodeck series, action figure. You know, I have this beautiful. This is going in the office at work. Benjamin Cisco holding a baseball. That's Captain Cisco to you, and a bottle of uh, Chateau Picard. He really did. He did. So that's what's going on over here. Tune into the episode to hear how it went. Well, um, I'm going to eat some Yeah, eat dinner. I know. Have a good dinner. Oh, am I keeping yeah. you from your dinner, man? No, no. Let's just keep doing this podcast. Do you okay. Want to take a break and have some food? I don't know. <laughs> it's really like seeing it. It's, it's a little snapshot into the relationship. No, it's a snapshot into podcasts. And, uh, no, I meant our relationship. <laughs> Hi, Bobo. I made a joke and I laughed at it. Sorry, folks. All right. Well, that was my wife, Dory. You can hear more of her on Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. Did you want to stop to that Monday. No. Okay. okay. 816 Trek TNC. That was it. 816 Trek TNC. That wasn't the song. Anyway, um, what Matt, wasn't the song? You, that you just said that was the song. That was the song that she, that was her interpretation. I liked the song. All right. Well, we can use it if you wish. We can, um, we can do anything. Uh, whatever the case. I know you'll be happy to hear that. It's my favorite sound clip in the whole show <laughs> for many reasons, up to and including its production value. <laughs> Uh, so what is uh, the number one song this week? You never told me. I didn't. It's My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. Wow. That's amazing. I can that find that the week very quickly. January 9th, 1989. That's cool. Uh, let me... It's funny how some weeks it's something that was the top song and I have literally no memory. And sometimes it's this like this and it's um, indelible. Where did my Kindle go? I've lost it. God, Larry Nemechek, please come on the show so you can read your own books out loud. Uh, the episode today is Loud as a Whisper. It aired the week of January 9th, 1989. Oof. Oh boy, guys, we're having a problem. It's <laughs> not quite but yeah, i'll take it uh i was correct by the way january 9th 1989 that was all from memory by the way captain you know i screwed up <laughs> oh my how the tables have turned <laughs> loud as a whisper production number 132 aired the week january 9th 1989 start at 42477.2 what was going on in the world andy matthew 
I'll tell you what was going on. <laughs> Jesus, here it is. Uh, my prerogative by Bobby Brown, top in the charts, especially for you by Kylie and Jason ruled the Earl. Uh, Carly, Kylie and Jason, I don't even know that band, ruled the airwaves in the UK. Do you know them? Uh, Kylie I, Minogue? Maybe. Barry Levinson's Rain Man. In J- is this me? No, it's. Oh, okay. Good. My prerogative. My prerogative. Bro. Um, enjoyed its second week of number one at the box office. Tom Clancy's Clear and Present Danger was uh, an instant bestseller. Are you trying to drown me out? I mean, we're just hearing Bobby Brown. Baseball Hall of Famer Bill Terry died at the age of 90. Oh, Nina Dobrev was born. Outgoing U.S. President Ronald Reagan delivered his farewell address. She was in a movie. Uh, she was in Final Girls, and I think she was in this, the uh, the Aliens show. Let's look it up. The Aliens show? One Star of the Trek? Aliens shows. Vampire Diaries. Nope, uh, not the Alien show, the Vampire show. Same thing. Vampires are like aliens. Sort of. Uh, the stage for the Super Bowl was set. Cincinnati Bengals and San Francisco 49ers uh, claimed victory in the AFC and NFC Conference Championship games, respectively. And Time Magazine's cover featured Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe standing in front of a burning cross with the caption, Mississippi Burning, a new movie searing view of racism. That. Whoopi Goldberg. Wow, they got the that. cover of Time? That's incredible. Different time. That's people, people cared back then. Let's get into it, Matt. All right, Andy. Loud as a whisper episode. We already know that. To help, I'm going to tell you the plot from Larry, Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, Revised Edition. To help settle a civil war, the Enterprise is sent to retrieve the great Ramatassian mediator, Riva, whose resume extends to negotiating early United Federation of Planets and Klingon treaties. Oh my god, she got barbecue, and that's what we don't get to eat. The crew <laughs> is surprised to learn. I know, honey. Andy must suffer for what he has done. What? The uh, wasted time giving me presents. Uh, the crew is surprised <laughs> to learn, though, that Riva and his ruling family were born deaf and use a three-member telepathic chorus to communicate. The woman, the scholar, a warrior, Adonis. And warrior slash Adonis. The latter informs Troy that Riva has taken with her. Is taken with her. But an incident on Strife Torn Solias 5 wrecks the peace mission and Riva's self confidence as when, as well, God, as well, when a terrorist opens fire, killing the chorus. The loss sends Riva into a fit of grief and helplessness. Data learns to read his frantic signing, but Picard cannot draw Riva out. When the mediator even refuses Troy's attempts to help, she opts to try the mission herself. Playing Riva uh, for negotiating... Plying Riva for negotiating hints, she inspires him to use his own main strategy, turn a disadvantage into an advantage. Reinvigorated, Riva beams down alone, determined to start from scratch and teach both Solias factions his sign language, no matter how long it takes. Just like that description. A lengthy description for an episode that did not deserve such a lengthy description. I Captain if... Picard, take it away. Captain's Log, Stardate 42477.2. The Enterprise has been diverted to the Ramadis star system. 
It seems that both sides of a bitter planetary conflict have petitioned Starfleet to transport to their world a mediator they have mutually selected. Our orders are transportation only, no interference. Here we are, Andy. We get to see for the second time and second and only other time the holographic projector in Picard's desk. You don't see it again? Never seen again. I was going to say, what is the point of that well, scene? Well, you know, I really thought... Picard is acting so weird in that scene. I'm like, oh, that hologram thing's going gonna, to gonna, kind of going to play in later has some sort of point and you know when you see it at the end you think oh there's going to be some greater lesson here that yeah. uh that will come from this and picard will say something about it but it doesn't happen was it just for the effect i don't know was and it... that description about uh, what 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 do you notice there's no de- there's no degeneration it's uh let's <laughs> i mean just... yeah play it well perhaps this facsimile lacks the proper mass perhaps but if this is an accurate representation, it could explain what happened in that system. Perhaps. Well, it's uh, not a matter of any great moment. Just a knot I had to untie. So, what do you want to see me about? Oh, we've arrived at Ramadas 3. Oh, well. Not I had to untie. Time to leave. Standard orbit, Mr. Crusher? Standard orbit. Mr. Data, you have the bridge. I have the bridge, too, and my wife's phone is making a lot of noise into the recording device. <laughs> it's okay. How are you going to know? You don't have headphones on. Dory, stop being in your home. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Let us podcast in the podcast studio. Stop eating at the dining room table. Matt's, uh, Matt's angry because there's delicious barbecue in front of him. I'm angry, too, except that I'm... Uh, I'm a guest, so I'm not allowed to be snippy. All right. We're back from a barbecue break. That was delicious. Couldn't hold out. Had to stop it. Honestly, I don't know what it would have done if we had not eaten. I'm now on a sugar high. Back to our regular scheduled data, having the bridge. Transporter room five. Cluck, cluck, cluck. Here we go. Here it's coming. I'm still a little uncomfortable with your leading this away team. This is not an away team, Commander. I consider this a ceremonial function. For me not to go could be construed as lack of interest. You will be careful, sir. Oh, cluck, 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 number one. Sir, you're being a mother hen. Ricard's in love with Riker. I mean, Riker's in love with Picard. I think there's a mutual love. Yes, but I feel like it goes beyond that for Riker. Andy's theory. Andy's theories are theories, 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 theories. I like that one. We must not get involved. Coordinates have been input, sir. Here's a weird... This is a weird scene. The, I, this is another one that is never explained. Doesn't... I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. Um, Chief O'Brien does a great job hanging around. And uh, Troy starts sensing something. So let's, let's, let's take a listen. Your sensors indicated any problem down there, Lieutenant? None. But you're feeling a certain confusion about this mission. No. Yes. I've never known you to have such strong emotions, except when you're expecting to do battle. (laughs) I am not expecting battle. Then what is bothering you? Reva. Reva negotiated several treaties between the Klingons. 
Confederation. Before him, there was no Klingon word for peacemaker. Not even when referring to the cult weapon from Earth's ancient west. The cult peacemaker. Uh, are you talking about the ancient west thing? I'm talking about Worf. And I don't buy that there was a oh, term for right. peacemaker sure, in right. the Klingon culture. Um, and I don't, I don't. So is his issue because it is never explained? Even though it seems like it would be interesting mm-hmm. if he had an issue with, I don't like the idea of a peacemaker in general because that is what undermined the power of the Klingon Empire. But you know, but he's that's also, never stated. And he's also an orphan who was taken in and yeah, raised. So by, why would he be raised that by Russian immigrants involved with it? It's just what, what's the deal? What do you think they were going for? I also there? like don't like that Troy is blowing up his spot. She doesn't know really. It's like he's like I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> She's like no, no. In front we're of we're going to talk in about front it. Of the captain and the first officer and the transporter chief. Let's talk. Let's talk about your feelings. She's, You're a Klingon. She's not being chill. I think she has no chill. She has 0% chill in this episode. That's true. I don't... I just can't... Like, she must feel this shit from people all the time. Yeah. And often acts... uh, Does not act on it. But today, in front of the captain and Riker, she decides that she will act on it? It's terrible. It's It's so weird. Badly written. And the more more important thing is, even if you're going to do that scene, that's great. Then... Where's the where's the moment later where he's interacting with, with Reva? Reva and putting aside his uh, Klingonness to be more of a Federation officer? Where, where is that? even if he's not, have it come out between them? Yes. No, Bo. No. Then I can understand why you're feeling uneasy. Really? Now look, this is a simple, yep. ceremonial. Group. What does that mean? Are we supposed to know at this point? Um, no, what is it? I guess the idea is just that he doesn't like Bo's Bo. Would you like to say something? To the oh, Bo just licked it. He breathed into it. Bo, how do you feel about peace from Klingons? Oh yeah, uh huh, uh huh. He's putting his paws on Matt. Now he's biting. He's biting Matt's hand. He's not biting it. He's well, he's putting his teeth it. on it. There's a difference. He's mouthing him. He's licking. He's licking up Honey. his tongue. Dory? She's probably got her headphones on or something. Bo, you need to relax, and we're going to get through this podcast with or without you. If you'd like to hear more about Bo, head over to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, weekdays after James Bonding. Nothing more. All right. Aye, sir. Energize. We disengage. <laughs> oh, there was a complaint about that. About us saying disengage? Yeah. About okay. us transporting out? What's the problem? Let's hear it. All right. Let me find it. Sorry to drudge up some mail, but... Uh, uh, by the way, the, um, the, the teaser, if I'm not mistaken, just ends with just them looking around at the planet. That's it. Yeah. There's no hook. There's no nothing. Oh, it's Just, the worst teaser. It's the worst teaser I've ever seen in my life. It's unfinished. Ugh. All right. Here, this is from our friend Damien in Brisbane, Australia. Hey, Matt and Andy. It's Damien from Brisbane, Australia again. Hey, um, just a quick question for you, Mr. Secunda. At the end of the podcast, when you guys beam out and go back to your normal life, <laughs> I can't help but notice, Andy, that you always say, disengage. 
that really confuses me. Why why would you disengage a transporter halfway through? Is there something I'm missing here, or do you genuinely think it would be a good idea to disengage a transport halfway through? Probably not going to be great for your molecular structure. Anyway, just wondering if there's a reason behind your disengage, or whether this is just a continuing effort from your part to continue being shit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> He was the gentleman who advised me to uh, to take pride in my sheetness. And Damien, what I'm trying to do there is just uh, oh God, reference. trying an accent. I apologize. Hang on, just, uh, hold on. This is going to be great. This accent is not brought to you by this podcast. <laughs> not, not endorsed by Matt Myra. This podcast is sponsored by this accent. Oh. Damien, um, uh, you know, just saying that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Captain Picard, he, he says engage, and uh, what I'm doing is doing a little play on it and saying disengage, not in the from the transporter, but but from the conversation. Oh, God. Oh, that was really, that was so much worse than I thought it would be. I like the production design of Reva's planet, and I like the production design of Reva's, uh, or that the costume design of Reva and his uh, chorus. Oh, I think it was shit. Do you really? I don't. I actually think it was fine, but I wanted to say sheet. Shh. Taking pride in being sheet. Brisbane, Australia. Bo, you got to get off the couch, buddy. Come on, Bo. Get off the couch. Stop. Go to bed, buddy. Lay down. Lay down. Okay? You want to lay down? Good. He's acting like he's in the bush, this one. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yep, you have something to say. He is talking. You have something to say? Bo is currently <laughs> climbed and leaning forward to get to his master Bo, by on the, the way, couch. is 81 pounds. Oh, wow. He's a big old boy. Well, he's lighter than I am. Just a good old boy. Sorry. Oh, and that was the end of the cold open, by the way. They've beamed down, looked around. That was it. End of the cold open. Really? Almost as disjointed as this podcast. This, uh, this, this, this today's podcast is brought to you by Disjointedness. <laughs> if you'd like to be disjointed, pretty much just listen. Um, what's going on over there? I was trying to eat the microphone. This is how you break your equipment, man. Oh, oh got, you got a good one there. All right, Bo. We should sell that sound effect to someone. Okay. Hi, buddy. We're going to pause the podcast so I can let Bo out. And we are back from another break brought to you by Bo Bobo. Where were we, Andy? Oh, we were about to meet Reva. Yeah, I don't think we'd even met Reva yet. Staring down Wharf. Staring down Picard. And really staring down Troy. Reva? I wonder if she can sense that he's DTF. (laughs) Talk to the hand. First use of it. He's got a lot of attitude, this guy. Rick Berman still co exec. Very strange. Please come closer. So is Maurice. Before I start, is there anything you need? Food? Refreshments? 
Thank you. Now, then, proceed. We're Greetings planets. from the United Federation of Planets. I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. This is Council Troy, Lieutenant Worf. Greetings. Welcome to Ramatis. I, I have been expecting. I didn't notice the affect on the voices. A little reverbery. I know. I like it. You are empathic. Yes. Then although you already know my feelings towards you, allow me to put them into words. I am looking forward to this journey so he is now more than ever. In that because shot. it gives me a chance to be in your company. But he is there. I'm flattered. I know. It's a weird I shot too where the looking forward to learning more about you. The passion guy isn't speaking when he walks away. There are aspects to Reaver of which we've not been informed. Precisely. Our way of communicating has developed over the centuries, and it's one that I find quite harmonious. Then, Reaver, the mediator... Is deaf. Deaf. And a mute, apparently. Born and hope to die. And the three of you speak for him? Yes. We serve as translators. We convey not only his thoughts, but his emotional intent as well. I am the scholar. I represent the intellect and speak in matters of judgment, philosophy, logic. Also, I am the dreamer, the part that longs to see the beauty beyond the truth, which seems, is always the first duty. Seems weird art. I am the that poet. that guy would do both. Artists. Yeah, I think he's They hugging. tend to ramble. Neglect the moment. I am passion, the libido. I am the anarchy of lust, the romantic, and the lover. I am also the warrior, the perfect line, which never wavers. I want you to call I me the anarchy that, of lust. Which finds all the others together. <laughs> Andy's latest dating profile. The <laughs> the Andy's of the anarchy of lust. You <laughs> get a certain demo. <laughs> hey. Bo. What do you want Bo. from me, Bo? Sit. Bo. What are you doing? We're doing a podcast. We've done thousands of these. Bo, go see mom. Go to mom. Bo, come here. Folks, this is, um, you know, in Interstellar when uh, one of the guys goes down to the planet and then uh, and the people go down to the planet and then the one guy's on the ship and like a million years pass for him. <laughs> That's kind of what it's been like for me and Matt. <laughs> we keep stopping and... We eat and then things happen and then I get a call I had to take. It's really been Bo's been running around. A lot of ups and downs on this episode of the podcast. And thank you for being with us throughout it. I thank I you for your genuinely appreciate it. Andy, on the surface, appreciates it. I'm kind of a, a withholding person. He's so. a rogue. Yeah, I'm a rogue. That's what I learned. Rogue. <laughs> Scoundrel. Ensign, set your course for Soleus Five. Course is set. Velocity, warp eight. Warp eight, aye. Engage, Ensign. Yes, sir. Here they come on the bridge. Whoop, whoop. I really like their... I, I like the costume design of these people. Yeah, it's pretty A good. A lot of times their future clothes aren't great. That's true. Although, what I will say that his robe... Reva's robe... I find it reminiscent of the 
bad guy in Demolition Man. Not Wesley Snipes, but the guy that was controlling him. Uh, hmm. Remember? Demolition Man. Do you remember him? Do you remember Demolition Man? I do remember Demolition Man. I remember being very San frustrated Angeles. by the setup of that movie. <laughs> um, let's see. Villain. It's probably just going to give you Wesley Snipes. Yeah, probably is. Speak for him. I think, I think I got him. He's got a purple robe? Yeah. <laughs> it does look like that. I don't remember that guy's performance, but he looks hilarious in this picture. Now, may I present my first officer? First, Captain, may I say, it is an honor to be on board such a fine vessel. Now, please, continue with the introductions. This is my first officer, Commander Riker. It is an honor to meet you. Lieutenant Commander Data. It is a pleasure to meet such a unique individual. Thank you. He's very excited Lieutenant about this. Geordie LaForge. Yeah. Here's the Geordie scene, everybody. It is my pleasure to meet you, sir. What is that you're wearing? A visor. It interprets the electromagnetic spectrum and then carries the readings to my brain. And without it, can you see? Without it, I'm as blind as a stump. Then your visor serves the same function as my chorus, which interprets my thoughts and translates them into sound. Yes. And you don't resent it? The visor or being blind? Either. No, since... He was holding They're his both hands. a part of me, and I really like who I am. There's no reason for me to resent either one. Around Geordie's head. What is your position on the ship? I'm the chief engineer, sir. It's a blessing to understand that we are special, each in his own way. Yes. Yes, that's the way I feel exactly. Geordie weirdly touches Reva's chest. Well, that's how Reva has been greeting people. Oh, has he? Yes. Yeah. You know what? I retract my comment. If you wish, I'll have you conducted to your quarters. Thank you. Perhaps, if it is not inconvenient, <laughs> Counselor Troy could escort me. This is my boner. He speaks for my boner. <laughs> now, he will be doing the speaking. Um, I think we established that this guy's the anarchy of lust. Do we want to let him have dinner with Troy? <laughs> what about you? At times like this... We become an encumbrance. So, if you have rooms for us, Lieutenant Wolf. Times like when he wants to hook up with somebody. <laughs> also, I like the. <laughs> I wish that Picard turned and went. You know, number one, that is the anarchy of lust. <laughs> But she's just gone down there. And I feel like Riker would be red alert, all hands to battle stations, and he'd like go into the wall and grab phasers. <laughs> Troy, you're needed up on the bridge again. <laughs> Troy. Um what shall we say about that? Well, I like I do like the scene where the they're trying to explain why the fighting is happening. Uh-huh. And uh Reeve is like, mm, I don't need this. Factions on Soleus Five are historical enemies. So many have died that both societies are on the verge of extinction. Enough. Thank you, Captain. There is no need to continue. The specific issues of the conflict have no relevance. 
So none of the background which we have provided would be helpful in understanding why they continue to fight. The portfolio will indicate that the conflict is over a piece of land or wealth or some other tangible asset. But we both know that is not the case. They've been at war for so long, it has become personal. Exactly. The basis for peace must also be personal. This is an historic confrontation, correct? The factions have been at war for 15 centuries. What's changed? I do not understand what you mean. They have been killing each other for a long time. Now they want to talk peace. So something about the situation has recently changed. What's the new piece to the puzzle? Data. Unknown, sir. Perhaps they have run out of people to kill. They opened up a fat burger on the planet. Peace is now preferred. The line at Shake Shack is untenable. Well, if not easier, at least possible. For now, they are motivated. But it doesn't matter. I'll find something. I always have. Always. I like this guy is speaking for Reva, and he's a total dick. No, unless there is something else. <laughs> I feel like I'm really capturing what a dick Reva feels like oh, right this, now. This is my dick, but this is a dick. <laughs> Thank you for your time, David. I believe I have to get ready for a dinner appointment. You know. And yakety sax starts playing. <laughs> he starts chasing Troy around the yes, ship. Of course, the. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Andy, yes. so far, what are you thinking when you're watching this episode for the first time? I'm thinking, when does the plot start? <laughs> it really is ridiculous. The I end think- of Act 1 ends with them just beaming up. It's like crazy. There's nothing that happens in this episode. And I don't like... I will say this. I mm. like that they set up Reva as uh, a handicapped person or as a deaf person. Yes, and arrogant. To be arrogant and to be kind of a, a dick uh, because it plays against the expectation of always making, you know, the, the, the handicapped person sort of the, the um, I don't know, like the non-aggressor or the, the person who's not the... The character without faults. Exactly. Um, as they do sometimes with Jordy. So, uh, so I really like that. I just don't feel like there was a... a, a line that made sense mm-hmm. with the progression of him going from that to when he loses his confidence later it just like seemed like the idea of him losing confidence because he was too arrogant makes sense but just the way it is handled is so haphazard and strange let's hear the dinner scene all right the sound of the ship is <laughs> quite remarkable can't you feel it? Never not funny, this, uh, this music on anything. I don't care what it is. Bring their sound up a little. It's easy to let that happen. Sometimes we must allow the surroundings to flow over us, to dwell on each separate part, how it feels, to allow it to fill you. This is pretty amazing. <laughs> How do we communicate? I know you can read lips, but I need your words. 
Why does she need his words? Words? This I don't understand. How do I communicate to you without words? Here on top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is she not a betazoid and at least a partial M? Beta Z. So she, but she could still read his emotions. Yes, of course she can. So that she could tell what he's thinking. And he's someone else. who's been Better communicating with a seen. with a chorus. So he obviously has some empathic abilities of his own. Right. Right. So you would think that they'd be able to communicate. Is what's important. They'd be able to communicate yes, via true. this empathy. It is localized, but very intense. So much for the ceasefire. Hailing frequencies. Talking about Riva giving it to Troy. Receiving one side only. <laughs> this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard, commander of the Federation starship USS Enterprise. If you continue to violate the ceasefire, I will abort this mission. You have no jurisdiction here, Picard. Where is Riva? Riva is in charge of the summit. I command the ship that brings him. I will not endanger this ship under any circumstances. The other faction is breaking through, sir. Riva gave his word we would speak to no one else. Now who breaks the rules? Where is Riva? I shall summon him. Get Riva here. Counselor Troy, please have Riva report to the bridge. They need you on the bridge, now. Oh, well. And he acts annoyed, right? Especially when they get up to the he, he breaks an herb and then puts it on the plate as, to, as if to say, such is life. <laughs> but when they go up to the bridge, I think both Reva and Troy act like these fucking people with their mission apiece. We're trying to have a nice dinner. Creating the proper setting. Worf, prepare your security team. Yes, sir. That's not necessary. But it is prudent. I prefer to arrive with the smallest possible compliment. We do not want to add to an already tense situation. If that is your judgment, so be it. We're here to provide whatever service you require. Thank you, Captain. There. Beam us down to that hilltop and inform the factions to join us. Time for killing has come to an end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what is the plot of this? this I'm, I'm trying to describe it. It's weird that Larry Nemechek needed to use 14 paragraphs to describe this episode. Yeah, I think it. I think it makes sense. It's it, he's like a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And then, I what's mean, it about? Yeah, I'm asking you that question. What is the theme? What is thematically? What is it about? Is it about handicap? I think this is the problem, because where it lands in the end... Or disabilities, rather, I suppose. I think it's something... It's something to do with that his... His voice is essentially taken from him. Yes. And the what, <laughs> crazy effect when the guy fries his three people. Mm-hmm. Also, I love how somehow Riker gets him out of the way. It's Riker? It was yes. a wharf. Somebody gets him out of the way. And then those three people are just like all together in the line of the beam. Yeah, and they get uh, they get taught from raiders. <laughs> yeah, but uh, more so because at least in raiders there is skeleton left. Doesn't it burn down to their skeleton? Or am I wrong? 
It burns down the skeleton, and then the skeleton disappears. Right. Yeah, here. Let's hear it. Be at ease. I commend you both. To come here proves not only your courage, but your wisdom. Please, give this conference a chance. I have no magic. You have been fighting all your lives. You have known only... No, no, never, never! Death first! Riva! Yeah, and their skeletons disappear completely, too. No, no, never, never. Wait. Wait, team, to Enterprise. Beam us up now. His words are not mine. Please, Reba, we need you. We need you. <laughs> you see their skeletons. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? No, you can come here and look. Oh, no, you see their skeletons when they're getting yeah, yeah, when evaporated, but those yeah. skeletons disappear, leaving only what appears to be blood vessels. And sure, then, sure. And then a mist. Yes. Oh, I like the scene where Picard is like, doesn't, like, in, uh, as panicked as I've ever seen him. Peace. I don't understand what you're trying to say, counselor. <laughs> Riva, go slowly. Riva. Slowly. Stop freaking out. Can you write it out? I love this guy set up as the greatest peacemaker who I has ever so been. I am so sorry that your friends were killed. And so far, all we've seen him do is arrange furniture on a planet. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what you are trying to tell me. We have to find some way to communicate with him. Data, he knows some kind of gestural language. Find out which one and learn it. Aye, sir. Counselor, take him to sickbay. Maybe Pulaski can help. Listen to me. You are not alone. Do you understand? We are all in this together. Now. (laughs) All so weird. So weird. Well, then he goes with Troy. <laughs> I guess we're worried about it. I just don't. <laughs> oh, it's going to be one annoying sound. There, there are two full long moments of them going, I want, he wants, I want three torches over here. Yes. And then this over here. And let's talk to Jordy about it. Now let's switch them on. And Jordy at some point is really cocky about it. It's like, I thought you might. And then they put up the fucking, it's just like, what, who, how does, who cares? Very frightened. All of his life, Network he's been in time they're spending on this. Time, Syndicated. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> the doctor gave him a complete medical examination. His condition is hereditary. His brain can't receive auditory information. So all the prosthetics and surgical techniques I can use wouldn't work. I don't know what we can do to help him. I can't do anything. That much it's is clear, Pulaski. <laughs> he stopped cooperating. Well, she... Doesn't bigger in the episode. Confidence is faith in oneself. It can't easily be given by another. Ain't that the truth? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I like how Picard right, just goes. Of course. <laughs> Come. 
Captain, I have reviewed and stored five distinct signing languages. Here is an example of the first. Why would we need to see this? This is blue. This is the blue ocean. This is the blue ocean at sunset. This is two people walking along the beach by the blue ocean at sunset. I cannot imagine that even at this point in popular culture that we, we as a people did not know what signing was. That we needed this fucking explanation. Oh, I don't think it was that. I think it was just to show data. Like how, how, how good data is at learning things very quickly. Well, and also how, how socially inept data is. This is this to me is just like him with the um, with the definitions of words. It's unnecessary. Tough and crowd, and it's slow. Yeah. Ah, as in da 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 da. Right, yeah. This is blue moon. You know, I'll take that if it's really highlights something. It highlights nothing here, and we it's just have him do it. Not to mention, there's a lot of in this following scene and the scenes that follow. You're waiting for data to translate him and that makes sense but then data is also translating back for them and it's like he can read lips we've already established he can read lips why is data translating for the the hearing to the non-hearing oh that makes a lot of sense Reba Reba Commander Data has learned your sign language talk to us it was my fault I am responsible for their deaths. That's true. In my arrogance, I thought no one could possibly harm the great Riva. I am such a fool. You are not to blame. Well, what happened appears to have been the work of one desperate Data man. Data is signing behind Riker, behind Picard for no reason. They were more than my interpreters. They were also my friends. And my fluffers. They were a part of me. I did not realize how much a part. I referred to Until one now. as the anarchy of lust. He didn't want that day. We have been I forced it on him. By the factions on Soleil's. They want to renew negotiations. Fred Spiner's like in his own physical comedy. <laughs> I I'm going to make up a bunch of signs in this scene. <laughs> Don't turn away. You have a chance to make some good come out of this tragedy. This could be the catalyst which binds them together. Someone else will have to speak with them, not me. Not after what I allowed to happen. How could I? But Data understands you. Use him. Let him explain your words. You know why this is also super sloppy writing? Is that the idea... That's my favorite kind of writing. Super sloppy writing. <laughs> uh, the idea it was the best form of double dare. <laughs> This guy, the, the idea that this guy is the greatest peacemaker who has ever lived to the point where he offends Worf just on the basis of that he does the reverse of what Klingons are interested in, which I can only imagine is the, the, his problem, which was never explained. But the fact that it's that and that he's an arrogant dick about it is kind of awesome. So it's like, OK, great. He's so good at it that he's just hyper confident he's going to go in. And it's like, what is that? What is a guy who's so good at peacemaking that right. he's a jerk about it? And we never see it. He sets up a couple of torches in a table. And then the rest of it is this bullshit at the end about it, the that he's, oh, well, now he's going to, we're going to find we're going to hear it, but now he's, he's going to sign. 
and he's going to teach them sign language. And that's going to bring these two warring peoples together because it's going to take so long and be so laborious. What? The, what? That's your, as a writer, that's your explanation? We're going to agitate these angry people <laughs> with a slow, laborious process. It's, it's just... We're going to have them do alts. It, it, it's kind of like, I always like it in a in a in any kind of entertainment where it's like this person is the best at what they do yeah now let's really be creative about showing you oh that's interesting that that's the way they would do that that nobody else would do it they just forget about that they well, just you know, screw it and can't come up with it he was supposed to talk at the end right yeah and then he as a a deaf a, a fame I guess a famous deaf theater actor sure had said I don't I think that I should learn how to right because I, I think teach. he said he wanted he thought that that would communicate uh, a negative message to people with deaf children because it would give them false hope that someone could talk the way he did, which is fine, but then the solution is moronic. Does he is he allocative? Alli- allocative? Allocation? Does he have good allocation? uh, Yes. Elocution? Elocution. Um, Yeah, apparently he could speak almost... Almost, if not completely perfectly uh, to hearing people's... Like a Marley Matlin. Um, I don't think Marley Matlin can speak perfectly. She can speak. She sure can. Well, she was cute. Still is. Is she? It's possible to install optical devices which look like normal eyes. And would still give you about the same visual range as the visor. Done? You say almost. How much reduction? 20%. There's another option. I could attempt to regenerate your optic nerve. And with the help of the replicator, fashion normal eyes you would see like everyone else wait a minute I, I was told that wasn't possible i've done it twice in situations somewhat similar to yours why don't you just do it with one eye oh smart jordy also if it doesn't work then he's not completely blind the right. constant pain you were under why are you hesitating yeah, i have that well, question too when I came to see you, it was to talk about modifying this. And now you're saying it could be possible for me to have normal vision? Yes. I don't know. I'd be giving up a lot. There's something else you must know. This is a one-shot. If you decide to change your mind, there's no going back. And there are risks. I can offer choices, not guarantees. I gotta say, though, Right out of the gate. She's a couple episodes wow. in. And Pulaski has already figured out how to cure George. There's a lot to think about. <laughs> Makes a look back on Beverly and go, wait a minute. <laughs> Thank you. He never does get back to her. Although in my what? mind, so he is between, yeah. between generations and, and first contact, as you know, in first contact, by that time, Jordy has ocular implants, no right. longer has a visor. Right. I like to imagine that. After generations, he visited Dr. Pulaski on whatever ship or medical base she was on and had her perform the ocular implant surgery. But he doesn't 
he still can see with uh, with, with the hyper yes. yes yeah so so whatever the implants are they just allow him to take care of seems remove, like they're just the visor each tiny visors right so uh is his choice here i'm not going to get rid of i'm not going to give up i'm going to give i'm not going to give up 20% of my supervision um to get rid of the constant pain mm-hmm. and be able to see like a normal person yeah seems like a weird but i think he's got so much supervision like he's seeing structural fractures and in walls and 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 warp coils and things that that we can't even dream of andy and is that the reason he doesn't but to me it's mainly the headaches like if i had those constant headaches i would just do his almost anything is his maybe not advantage his disability yes that's the moral of the show (sighs) for 20 percent they they stack it in a very strange math way (laughs) Thank you. Thank me. Ah. It's kind of like a would-you-rather question. <laughs> I will have the captain contact them down on the planet and tell them to prepare for your return. life signs in the immediate area but i'm still angry at this person i was angry at earlier i have not resolved it i haven't had contact with him other than to be angry why that's my secret (laughs) that's for me to you know and no one else to find out except for Riker. but he's not telling o'brien has no lines in this episode not even an eye sir Mm. good on you for hanging around until you were one of the major characters He's beaming, and mid-beam, the wind is blowing his his blousey vest. Yeah, not possible. His robe. It just seems weird. Yeah. It seems like it shouldn't work like that. Don't you have to acclimate to the... Or you just pop in? Yeah. I know in the old the old show, you definitely popped in, but... I feel like you just pop in. Yeah. Uh, so, Reva decides to... Seems uh, like that would really put you at a tactical disadvantage if you ever beamed into battle. Sure, if the wind can affect you, so can phasers. Yeah. No, but I mean, people will see you beaming in, and they're These like, oh, that's where he's going to be in a second. All of their yeah. lives. They know only hatred, suspicion, and fear. And weird faces. Even with my chorus, I could not have changed their attitudes in a day. We have a chance. They want these talks to be successful. Well, I'm still not comfortable leaving you here alone. Thank you for your concern. I will be fine. I may not have the anarchy of lust as a person, but I have him inside. From what you call lions. He means lions. (laughs) Enterprise, four to beam up. Good luck. I will just wait by this table and hope someone feeds me. This table is the key. It has three sides. The sign of peace. First officer's log, stardate 42479.3. 
We leave the Soleil system confident that Reva will help the Solar. And he's just doing the captain's lock because Picard is still obsessing about the hologram. He's still hanging out in his ready room. Take us out of orbit. Come. You wanted to see me? Yes. You know, I've been thinking about the orbit of this planet. Well enough. And how it relates to what we've just gone through. This planet may be different in how it orbits the sun, but it is the same in that it coexists. Peace. All right. I mean, sometimes like an orbit. Anything. You must stop it from degenerating. Anything. (laughs) Anything. That was us spitballing for two seconds. All right, Andy. That was it. That was loud as a whisper. <gasps> whisper. <sighs> I'm going to give a short one because I want to get the f- hell out of here. A short what? A short MVC? Yeah. Hey, how come it's not playing? I don't know. Are you turned up? I think so. Try again. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel this like would be there's a perfect something. opportunity to say, "Oops, Andy." There's did something it again. wrong. I don't think it's on my side. It is. It totally is. It's all, all right here. All of my sound is up. Is it though? It is. Like, is it for realsies? Just check everything. Let me play a different one. Is your sound up on the iTunes or wherever yes, you're playing? The sound this? is up on the iTunes. The sound is up on my computer. Oh boy. You can come look at it, Mr. Mac Genius. I'd like to look at it, but I just got so... Oh, did I just hear it? Fastness of space. But that's not that one. Hang on a second. Oh, you did something over there. No, I didn't. I swear to God. Well, I didn't change anything, and it suddenly was working, so maybe it's a wire thing. <laughs> Could be the worst podcast ever. Um, certainly up there. Um, which is appropriate. Because I think we're about to give Thanks, this. some of you, for listening. You know what? My apologies. Um, okay. Uh, MVC. Yes. It's the MVC of this episode. I, mean, I kind of want to give it to Pulaski. She at least offers Jordy, like to a solution. sight. I mean, is it Troy or is it Data? Because Data learns ha- signing. Yes. I mean, Troy basically... Kind of convinces him to, but even they even I don't know if this was the actor's request because he was trying to preserve the dignity of deaf people, but it felt like it was almost like Troy was a little bit incidental to him going, Wait, this is the way to think about it. Mm. But, um, yeah, I guess it would be Troy, but although Data, you want to split it, split it between Troy and Data, yeah, sure. I'd like to give Pulaski some, frankly. However, I think that like Data did nothing that the computer couldn't do. Like uh-huh. You're telling me the computer couldn't read his sign language and translate it back to him? That's true. Go to a holodeck? Well, you can say that about a lot of things Data does, though. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Maybe maybe Data's the least valuable crew member of all time. Could be. Uh, I, I say let's just give it to Troy. She's going to have so few. Data's going to have so many. All right. Give Troy, it all to congratulations. Troy. You did it. Now we have to rate this episode. The Andes. Or some other method of ranking... We're working on it. Yes. 
Matt? Yes, Andy. I'm going to let you go first this time. Uh, I like the chorus. I like the costume design. I like the performance by Riva. I liked the... Um, uh, planet design? Planet design was all right. I liked seeing three people get vaporized. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, it was very out of place on, on uh, Star Trek, but I guess it made sense. They primitive weapons. That being said, I'm going to give this episode... One and a half Andes. Hmm, that's much lower than I thought you were given, given that list. I know. I tried to be very positive up top. And then right, you really threw everybody off. Um, I agree with all of your uh, positives. Um, I will say just writing-wise, this is a, just a mess. And I will even say, if you look at the Geordi thing, it's like, okay, great. That's a really interesting plot to give Geordi. Fun that's, nugget. If anything, you would say that that's like a giant... Like well, turn that you we should are, be analyzing. You're it's, aware, though, right? It's less than a B plot. You're yes. aware that, that was supposed to be an arc. Oh, and it didn't. It was go. Jordy was potentially going to get implants. Oh, because they, because Lavar Burton was upset that he couldn't really emote with his eyes, and there's so much acting in your eyes. Oh, but ultimately, they all decided to just Lavar included to to just keep the visor. Good for Lavar, and I actually think that that's the fascinating thing about that character is to have to emote without your eyes. Right. Um, as an actor, it seems like that's the ultimate challenge, but not the ultimate, but but a challenge. The ultimate um, challenge. <laughs> but but whether that is or not, it's like either deal with it or don't, like or make this a C plot, and then there's like there's no B plot in this, is there? Other than that, and that's two scenes. Mm-hmm. If. I guess you count the scene with Reva as one scene. And we spent so much time. I guess the other sort of B-plot is the weird half. Everything's a half plot in this. Totally. So. So that um, being said. I'm going to give it a one. Whoa, lower than me. I can't believe it. Andy, you did it. Yeah. Uh, great job. Thanks. Great right job, back at team. You. Remember to tweet for our own Matt Myra. Yes. Tell uh, your friends. Rally people you, if you can. It's just, you know, uh, just some gentle prodding, letting him know. Yeah, be very nice to him. We don't uh, want to offend him. It is uh, Embassy Davies, uh, E-M-B-A-S-S-Y-D-A-V-I-E-S, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, tweet, tag Star Trek, tag CBS, tag whoever you want. Let them know that you think Matt Myra would be a pretty cool guy to have on that show to help you guys through uh, the roller coaster of Star Trek Discovery. It is typical to show business that it has taken, uh, definitely me, I can't speak for you, through the, uh, through the up and down of show business where show business doesn't like you to have moments of like, hooray, it's happening. They always want to go, wait a minute, maybe not. So, uh, Yeah, it's, uh, it'd be really something. I'd be very happy with that and you deserve sure it, buddy. That, I hope that uh, it happens. The internet would uh, feel similarly or mad at me. I don't know. Uh, all right, Andy. All right, buddy. Do we have anything else to cover? No, I don't think we've so. We've set our email. We've set our phone number. We've told people. Oh, I don't know. That we ha- oh, yeah. We've had someone sing it. 816-TREK-TNC. 816-TREK-TNC. Please feel free to call us up on the phone. You can email us at sttncpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Star Trek TNC, and you can also Instagram us. I know we haven't done anything with our Instagram. I'm getting But we have it. We have it. 
So join it, and I promise uh, we will get something eventually. Star and Trek TNC also. Uh, and uh, shout out to anyone who went to Vegas for the convention during my birthday weekend. Uh, I'd like to go. Perhaps next year, Andy next and year. I will 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 actually do it. Tell you what, if I get this gig on this uh, Star Trek after show, you'll see me there. I was just and occurring I'll drag to me, Andy, and we'll have a tiny yeah, booth. I'll probably be yeah. We'll just we'll do a, a live podcast show, from a booth, and it'll be a, gi- a tiny, tiny little Star Trek TNC thing, and they'll put me up in a closet somewhere. Oh, he'll not. have the president suite. They're not putting you anywhere. I can't have the president suite. Patrick Stewart will be there. All right, you'll have the senator suite. <laughs> Yeah, on the bridge. That's right. Gonna throw a couple of shrimps on the lepre- on the replicator. The replicator. You almost said leprechaun. <laughs> no, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a couple of shrimps on the replicator. I just I just beamed down to the next room and I came back in and I heard you saying that. So did you just beam? You did a sight to sight transport into the ready room. I beamed into the conference room. <laughs> And I popped out, and I heard you talking about a leprechaun. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take off again. Can I go? Disengage. <laughs>